Welcome to the EIE Podcast, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 47 in our series. I'm your host, Laura Rumbly. Today, we're taking time to explore innovations in the digital backbone that's taking shape to support international student mobility in Europe. As many of you will surely be aware, the European Commission has been working over the last several years to advance several projects that are designed to streamline and enhance the administrative processes associated with Erasmus Plus mobility. From the European Student Card Initiative to Erasmus Without Paper, the goals are to ease access to information, reduce administrative burdens, simplify procedures, and of course, ensure privacy and data security. There's a lot going on in this space with important implications for mobility advisors, information technology specialists, and the higher education institutions they serve. To help us understand where things stand with the rollout of this digital infrastructure and what its implementation means in practice for those working with it, we turned to Nikos Yoyos. Nikos is Erasmus Plus officer at the Aristotle University of Thessaloniki in Greece. He's also project manager of the European Digital Student Service Infrastructure Project, which is coordinated by his institution and co-funded by the European Commission, which truly puts him on the front line of these developments. Nikos, it's really wonderful to be speaking with you today. Thank you for joining us. You are project manager of the European Commission-supported European Digital Student Service Infrastructure Project, which I know goes by the acronym EDSSI. And I know you've also been involved in many internal digitalization projects at your own institution, Aristotle University of Thessaloniki. Can you let us know how you got interested in the digital aspects of student mobility and support and what excites you about this work? Thank you very much, Laura, about the invitation. Uh, and it's always a pleasure uh, talking with you. Yes, uh, to be honest, I've been working in, in the student support for the Erasmus Plus program for almost 10 years. So during this work, I realized many challenges, that there are many challenges, uh, especially on the administrative part, that should be tackled one way or another. So digitalization, for me, uh, seemed like the self-evident way of uh, improving things and so having an impact on student mobility. And uh, once I got involved in this, uh, let's say, project, in this um, discovering the new things that we're about to start in the digitalization front, I think that once you get into this, you are excited about the innovation and about the positive impact that you can have uh, on students' experience. Uh, so, yes, I, I think that this is the most exciting part of this work, although it adds to the already uh, huge workload that uh, international relations offices have. It is interesting, isn't it, how we find these unique areas and sometimes very quite technical, but they really come to life for us, don't they? Because we can see that they really matter actually in the way that that work is done. So I can really relate to that. So I'd like to dig in a little bit to this very specific project that you've been involved in, the European Digital Student Service Infrastructure Project. What is EDSSI trying to achieve? Yes, EDSSI is a Connecting Europe Facility Project. So that means that is, uh, it is an infrastructure project. Uh, and the main aim is to uh, make student mobility a seamless experience by tackling some technical stuff, some technical aspects of the mobility. So uh, the main uh, building blocks, I would say, of the project is to solve some identification and authentication issues that students have. So to have a single sign-on uh, solution uh, for students when they try to reach and access uh, student services in the Erasmus program. The second is about uh, setting up and uh, supporting 
an exchange data network so that all data related to mobilities can be seamlessly ex exchanged between higher education institutions. And the third part is to uh, support a web service to help uh, and provide a support service, uh, web service to all higher education institutions that probably do not have the technical capacity to have their own uh, solutions, technical solutions on, on this aspect. Great. That's a very clear explanation of, of those three, you know, very fundamental areas. The heart of the work that you're doing is directed at the student mobility experience and process, I guess, and, and supporting that. And I was just wondered, wondering the extent to which there is student involvement in EDSSI. Yes, it's mainly an infrastructure project. So there is involvement of uh, student organizations, and uh, the most important of them is the Erasmus Student Network, which is a partner of this project. However, uh, there is not a direct involvement of uh, students as it is uh, supporting their mobility. So it's about infrastructure, it's about higher education institutions improving their support services in order to make students experience seamless. So it has an impact, but it's not probably so obvious directly, you know, to students, the work of EDSSI, but they will definitely see it in the way they manage the different administrative aspects of that. Got it. And um, I guess actually that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? That it would be so such a good service that you hardly have to think about it, you know, that it's just yeah. there and doing the work that it should be. Right, right. Yes. This is exactly the aim. Not to think of how I should sign in somewhere or how should I exchange the data. The, the flow is, uh, you know, uh, effortless for them. Very nice. So getting to that point of, of having these kinds of systems work well and what it may take to get there. I wonder if you could spell out a little bit what you consider to be some of the greatest challenges we're facing in getting our digital house in order in the field of international education and student mobility in Europe. And what do you think we're doing particularly well so far? I think that there are probably two spheres, I could say, about these uh, challenges. The first is the European context. And uh, I think the main challenge uh, there, uh, the main challenges there is the interoperability of this infrastructure. So there are many different stakeholders involved in these processes. And it's not so easy as it may sound, but interoperability is a real challenge. So how to make different systems work across the network, the community of uh, the Erasmus program. I think also scalability is another challenge. So how we can make our systems that already operate to be able to manage the increased workloads of data exchange and of uh, procedures that are being introduced. And uh, I think another issue is also unrealistic expectations, I would say. So uh, there is a challenge to, not, you know, to, to manage uh, what the community expects from this uh, digitalization and what can be done in realistic uh, terms. And this brings us also to the second sphere, which is the more local, uh, let's say, in the higher education institutions. And the main challenge there, I could say, is uh, how we can get our teams working together. And by teams, I mean the IT teams being more into the tech world and know what exactly should be done in, in the development of different solutions and the IROs, which are uh, the business process owners. So they really know the challenges and the needs of the students and of the processes. So this is also, I think, a challenge. And where you said IRO, you refer to international relations offices or officers? Yes, exactly. And in terms of successes, what are some of those key things that we can point to at this stage of the game that feel like, you know, we've really made some progress? This is a very long-term project. Uh, to be honest, this uh, digitalization of the processes of the Erasmus Plus program has started from 2014-15, and it's still going on. 
So I think the first achievement is that this project, this uh, initiative is still running, is still alive. So that means that really addresses the challenges and the needs of the higher, of higher education institutions and of the community. And the second, I think, major achievement is that, although it might uh, sound simple, it's uh, that we have now reached the common understanding of how these processes should work and uh, how we should cooperate with each other and uh, what is the effort that it's needed in order to make it uh, work. So I think that this is the first, the first main achievement, and uh, there are many more to come uh, in the next years. Okay, those are really some very interesting developments and pending developments for us to uh, keep our eye on. So thinking about the implementation of these various platforms, these various components of the ecosystem that we're talking about that all need to fit together and work together. There's a lot going on. And I have several questions that are kind of all interrelated that have to do with staff, you know, people on the front lines doing this work and buying into it and feeling comfortable with it. And I'm going to kind of pepper you with these questions and maybe you can just kind of reflect on them and come back at us with some indications of, of what you think. So some of my questions have to do with, you know, whether or not we might be collectively putting too much faith in this idea that everyone is going to really naturally embrace and appreciate the new digital student services that are being rolled out in our field. And are you at all concerned, you know, thinking about that with potential levels of digital distress among our colleagues Mm -hmm. as they're trying to get their their heads and their hands around these? And finally, kind of connected to all of that, I wonder if you can share some thoughts about what professionals in our field can do to really stay up to date in this area and feel like they are doing what they need to be doing to help them adapt and and move forward in this new space. Yeah, of course, yes. I think that this is very important questions because as you said, this is the the, the people working in the front line. So they are the first that uh, see the positive impact, but they also get the negative probably feedback. Uh, about whether some uh, tools and platforms uh, work uh, the, the way that they are expected to work or not. Uh, so yes, of course, I think that the, for the first question, the key word is the naturally you mentioned. So nothing is natural. We all need to put some effort in order to be able to understand the tools, to understand the procedures, to understand the new digital services that are being rolled out. Uh, so yes, if we think that all this will go will come naturally it's not it's not happen there's we need to have a plan we need to have a very concrete plan about how we're going to proceed and to invest time and effort and energy uh, in this uh, in this field in this regard so you understand if our expectations are different and we think that all this comes natural so digital distress is the natural outcome of all this I have seen it, I understand it, that there is frustration when something is expected to work one way and it does not. Uh, And uh, I think uh, that, uh, of course, this is a high risk. So this means that in the context of these new digital uh, innovative initiatives, we certainly need to have a closer look into the needs of the colleagues working on this uh, front and to support them Uh, not only in terms of training, but also uh, in in terms of understanding and communicating and making more clear and uh, simpler how these tools are going to work and how they can adapt to them and adopt uh, adapt their procedures to these uh, new tools. 
Of course, in order to, uh, for this to happen, this means that colleagues have to be in uh, close uh, collaboration with their uh, IT teams. Uh, of course, they have to communicate uh, and contact their colleagues uh, in other universities in the area in general of higher education, higher education in order to exchange views and experiences and learn from each other. And I think one uh, very beneficial way of approaching this would be also to join probably uh, some projects dealing with this uh, digitalization uh, of higher education institution and the Erasmus mobilities, because through this participation, which is more, um, there is a certain milestones and there are certain procedures that need to be done in these projects, they can uh, learn from this experience and they can also share their experience with other colleagues. So uh, I think that these might be the main takeaways for the colleagues to stay up to date. Those are very concrete and very reassuring, I think, for many people listening. So that's very helpful information for us to have as we consider, you know, this really quickly evolving landscape and a very important one for so many of us working, particularly in, in the student mobility area. So one more question before we say goodbye. I was just curious to know the extent to which outside of what you're doing in your day job, are you a digital junkie? You know, to what degree are, are digital tools and toys kind of a part of your life personally? I could say that uh, I do not have a tech background because uh, when we usually talk with colleagues, they think that I have this background. So, no, this is why exactly the reason I also investigated this uh, digitalization initiatives uh, in my work because in my daily life, I really like, uh, you know, uh, trying out software and learning more about the, the digital trends. Uh, you know, the latest that I'm trying to to dig into is the, the blockchain, uh, for example. So I think that there are many, many interesting initiatives. And I also think that, uh, you know, our, our job role, uh, you know, being in the international relations office where we know the business requirements, I think it's the best way in order to incorporate these new technologies in the way we work. Because if we get acquainted with the tech world, which is a whole different world for some of us, then we can make this very good match between the business processes and the tech solutions that we might have. So I urge all colleagues probably, you know, to start digging into this uh, different world that might be frightening in the beginning, but it's very, very interesting and very useful in the work that we do in higher education. Nikos, thank you so much for bringing that tech world closer to us today in this conversation. It was really great to talk with you and learn from you. Thank you, Laura. It's always a pleasure. And thank you once again for this uh, discussion. That was Nikos Yoyos, Erasmus Plus Officer at the Aristotle University of Thessaloniki in Greece and Project Manager of the European Digital Student Service Infrastructure Project. Links to the EDSSI project, the European Student Card Initiative knowledge base, and more can be found in our session notes for this episode. We hope you'll find those useful. If you'd like to explore the topic of student mobility further, the upcoming EAE annual conference and exhibition in September includes a very nice mix of both in-person and virtual sessions that will explore mobility from a wide range of angles. 
In-person participants can benefit from interactive campfires and poster sessions, among other program options. And of course, if you can't join us in person in Barcelona, do be aware that you can still participate virtually. The virtual program includes live streams of the opening and closing plenaries, access to 30 sessions specifically grouped into themed broadcasts, and round-the-clock poster sessions and coffee corners. Our conference platform will also offer the opportunity to conduct video meetings with other participants for a three-week period, beginning in early September before the conference begins and extending to a full week after the conference concludes. Regular registration for both the in-person and virtual conference experiences ends on August 26. Be sure to register by this date to save. Another key date for your calendar? The next EIE podcast episode will be published in just two weeks' time. I do hope you'll tune in again. For now, all good wishes to you from the EIE.